Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I'm glad you're here. On this special episode, we're going to be talking with a new friend of mine named Brent Bowers, talking about one of my new favorite subjects, land investing. And the cool thing about Brent, what he's doing here is that he is mainly flipping these vacant lots for cash flow, right? So you can go out and get monthly cash flow from manage uh, rental properties and houses. And there's a place for that. But one of the things that I've been really interested in, because I've been helping my sons in this side of the business is flipping vacant land, but not just for big chunks of cash. How about streams of cash? And so we're going to be talking about that on this podcast. But first, I want to tell you about a book. Some of you have it. Some of you don't even know about it. It's a book I wrote a little less than a year ago called REI Secrets. And this book is chock full, is about 100 different chapters in it of daily nuggets of real estate investing wisdom to help you get more leads, close more deals, make more money. And you can get this book for free. And it's a real physical book. Um, but what I've done is taken little chapters. It kind of reads like a devotional, right? So every day, if you're, hopefully you're you're not reading uh, real estate books as a devotional, right? But like I'm saying, you can get little daily nuggets of real estate investing wisdom. Each chapter is a couple pages long, just sharing something, a hack, a trick, a uh, different way to think, help you actually get more leads. That's the focus of this is getting more leads, learning how to talk to sellers, negotiate deals. And I've been doing this for this podcast for almost 10 years, coming up on 10 years now, which is crazy actually now that I'm thinking about it. And I've taken some of my best episodes, the shorter ones, and I used to do a lot of these. It was called REI in Your Car. And I've taken those and those were all 10 minutes long or so. And I've condensed them, taken out the fluff, and put it here in this book. You can get it for free at reisecrets.com. And it's a legit book. I'm so excited about this one, right? reisecrets.com. I'm going to be coming out with a volume two sometime this year. So just be aware of that. Go check it out. While we are here on this podcast, we are live right now going out on the YouTubes and the Facebooks. If you are here on YouTube right now watching this or on Facebook, just say hi. Tell us that you are here. Tell us where you are from. I'd love to just hear from you guys. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. I mean, if you're listening to the audio podcast, hey, what's up to you guys as well? Appreciate you all leaving a review. Let us know what you like about the podcast, maybe even what you don't like. But if you're watching right now on Facebook or YouTube, type in the comments down below. Say hi. Tell us where you're from. And if you have a question, I want you to put your question in the chat and comments because as I bring Brett on here, we'll be able to show your comments and your questions. And that'll be pretty cool. All right. So did I bring him on? Brent Bowers. Brent, good morning. How are you, man? I am so good. I'm really good. You know, I'm really excited to hear about the REI secrets coming out because I really loved your, uh, you know, wholesaling lease options book. It was yes. a short read and, you know, I like short, simple reads and that one looks like it's written the same way. So I'm going to be going over to reisecrets.com to check that out as soon as we're done here. Thank you, man. I, I'm looking forward to doing volume two, but it's just been a work of love, right? It's not going to teach you a strategy in terms of like how to close deals from beginning to end, but I'm getting great feedback. One guy told me this was the tools of Titans for real estate investors, a book by uh, Tim Ferriss. That's a pretty good book by Tim Ferriss. So now I'm really excited about reading REI Secrets. So well, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm humbled by that. So anyway, Brent Bowers, where where are you from? Where do you live? So I currently live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm from Florida. 
Uh, but I, lo- I relocated out here with the military. I ended up getting out of the military out here. And we loved, me and my wife loved Colorado so much, we just decided to stay. I love Colorado. And if I had a choice, I would choose Colorado over Florida oh, all yeah. day long. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so how long have you been in Colorado? Uh, since 2015. All right. So Colorado, difficult market for housing, right? Like it's very competitive. Colorado Springs, expensive, a lot of competition, not a lot of inventory. Talk about why. Well, why don't you start, tell us a little bit about your journey and why you chose land instead of houses. Yeah. As you know, I was was in the military and you're right. Colorado Springs is extremely competitive. I ended up coming out here in 2015 with the military. And the first thing I did was started mailing. I started mailing homeowners, property managers, people that had owned properties for many, many years. And I ended up buying a triplex and it was extremely hard. And then I, I tried to continuously replicate that that process by starting a wholesaling business because I was, I was a full-time army officer. So the army put quite a bit of demand on me. So I was trying to do a real estate business that I could pretty much outsource to a team. And, you know, looking at houses, you know, during a 30 minute lunch break is pretty rough. So we were mailing houses, mailing houses. And then I heard a guy on a podcast talking about buying land at incredible discounts, you know, massive discounts and turning around seller financing them. And it just really hit me that day. I was like, you know, I have been throwing away all the vacant land records because I've been mailing the tax delinquent list, uh, many other lists, and I just kind of get got rid of the vacant land records. So I was just like, let's let's just mail it. So we mailed 687 vacant land records. Was this in the city of Colorado Springs? or, or This was in El Paso County, the county that Colorado Springs is in. Okay. So El Paso County, Colorado. We mailed 687 records. We got 85 phone calls. We ended up doing two deals within two weeks, each netting us over around $4,500 net profit on let's, each one. Let's talk about... <laughs> Let's talk about percent response rate here. You sent how many postcards? 687. And how many responses did you get? About 85 phone calls. Now, I did not get a chance to return all those calls. This was before I had a, a really good team helping me out. So I, I may have returned maybe 20 of those calls. 9.8% response rate. Yeah, it was it was wild. Were these postcards? It was a postcard. This was a postcard back then. I've now kind of improved that strategy a little bit. Uh, We call them LOLs, land offer letters, uh, because I don't want to receive a lot of phone calls. (laughs) Yes. I'm looking at my stats right now. By the way, I know you track your stats like crazy. It's important. We're doing some mail right now for a county in Texas. With my, When I'm talking about land, I'm doing this with my two teenager sons. Postcards, guys. And these are neutral postcards. 4.1% 4.1% response rate. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. And, and these are five to 50 acres. So these are bigger lots. I'm not going after this. You do, I'll, you'll get a 10% response rate easily if you t- if you do the little lots. Oh, yeah. Um, but we're going to probably get a, about, we're already got three deals under contract and they average about 20 acres. We're buying them for 20 cents, 25 cents on the dollar. That's a stream yard high five right there. there, there <laughs> are, no, I love that. And you, I probably got, you know, the, the response rate I got here in El Paso County because it's it lands in demand. I probably got that response rate because I thought so. I thought I was mailing the tax delinquent list. I made a mistake. It was actually the county held tax lien list. The county held tax lien or actually the county held tax delinquent list. It was the stuff that tax lien investors don't even buy. 
Both the counties eat the taxes on it. So that's why I got such massive response rate on that, that one mailing. We figured it out pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> these are the these are the leftovers that nobody else nobody else wants. I like it. I'm gonna use that from now on. The leftovers. Not <laughs> not crap land. I'm just gonna say the leftovers. <laughs> All right. So did you do much with houses? Were you flipping houses? Oh uh, yeah, we did. We we still have our house buying company. We we still have that going. And yes, I did. It's just not as glamorous for me. <clears throat> it causes it's a lot of problems. Not a fan of having tenants. Um, you know, I do have that uh, business going still and thank God I have an incredible person running it for me and does a great job on a daily basis. But the land is really my passion because every time we do a land deal, it's going to pay us for the next five years. And that's what I'm looking for. Cash flow, monthly consistent cash flow that I can predict and count on and know what things are going to look like. It's not like flipping houses where every house has a secret. <laughs> that's a real good point. And this is one of the reasons why my sons have done it, right? Because, you know, maybe I've underestimated them, but it's a lot harder for a teenager to wrap their head around and understand how to negotiate with a homeowner, right? There's a lot more emotional attachment. There's a lot more in the property that they need to be aware of and like understand repairs and understand, you know, delinquencies on mortgage, you know, if the home, if the mortgage is uh, late or everything that goes on with that, right? So like, but with land, it's so much more transactional. And the reason I was drawn to land for my teenagers was that they don't even have to talk to the sellers ever until we send an offer and they accept the offer right? Which is crazy. All right. So let me ask you some questions about land investing, right? Most people here, they're interested in houses. They, they've read the rich dad, poor dad, and they believe that the key to getting out of the rat race is buying a bunch of single family rental properties or apartment buildings that cash flow. But you know, a lot of people, they look at land and first, they may have heard of it before, but they don't really understand it. It doesn't make much sense. Why why land for you and not houses? Well, just like you talked about cash flow, I must get asked once, maybe twice, three times a month, where where can I buy, you know, cash flowing houses, you know, in Colorado? Well, there are not too many places, not too many places. But you know, I go back to my my example of the first house I ever bought in two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. I purchased my first property. I just got my real estate license. I had to borrow from great grandma to earn his money deposit, but I had a plan to pay her back because I was going to get a real estate uh, commission because I was the, my buyer's agent for myself. So I paid her back. Long story short, I rented that house out for $9.50 a month. My mortgage was $8.50 a month. So I netted $100 a month. Well, every few months... Netted in air quotes. Netted, yes. Uh, it helped me on taxes. It was a forced savings account for like almost 15 years. Long story short, though, every six months, something would break. Septic system, need a new water heater, need a new dryer, need a new roof, yada, yada. So I never once cash flowed in that property from 2007 to 2020 when I finally got rid of this burden on my back. I sold it. Didn't make a profit, just was glad to be done with it. Now, I do have other rentals that, are, that do cash flow. So we figured out you know, how to not make that mistake again. But long story short, I had a $128,000 mortgage on that property. Well, let's, let's fast forward to my second land deal. I bought that thing for 500 bucks and I sold it for $5,000 on a note and it got $500 down. So the first week into that transaction, I got my money back out. So my risk is out and I'm immediately profitable 30 days later when I received that first payment. Now that's cash flow. Well, we don't want to dis we don't want to like throw the housing out, right? Cuz there's there's a lot of tax advantages to housing. 
Amen. That, you may not, that you don't get with land. And you can use leverage for housing that you can't use with land. In other words, you can get a loan to buy a house that you, you can't get a loan to buy land. You can get private money, but it's a little harder, right, to get to do that. And when you're selling land on owner financing, generally they get paid off in two, three, four, five years, right? My average is around five years. So around yes, years. they do so, get paid off. With a house, you can keep that for 30 years, 50 years. So there's a lot of advantages to both. But in terms of headaches, would you say that land investing gives you a lot less of them? Yeah, I can count them on one hand, basically, for land investing as far as my headaches. And that's over a month-long period. <laughs> so that's my point. Where You don't have the tenants, toilets, termites, trash, uh, those tea things that everybody kind of jokes about. So flipping vacant land. I mean, like, people are often wondering too, Brent, you know, how can somebody sell their land for 20, 25 cents on the dollar? That sounds pretty ridiculous. Yeah. A lot of people ask me, it's like, you know, why would someone sell you land at, for 20 to 25 cents on the dollar? Why wouldn't they just sell it themselves? Yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing. There's pawn shops all over this country. People go in and pawn guns, Rolexes, you name it, because it's speed and convenience. We're really just a pawn shop for for land, and that's it. We're, we're offering the speed and the convenience, and our letter, our land offer letter, I call it the LOL, because every time I receive one signed back, we laugh out loud because we know we just got a, a property under contract, a massive discount, but our LOL falls in their lap at the right time. It's really just sending mail. You send enough mail, you're going to get lucky. I don't care if your offer is so far off, you're still going to buy land. You know, it's very forgiving. So that's, that's, I mean, I think that's why people do it. It's just, it's easy. We tell them, hey, here's how the process works. They trust us because we know how the process works. And most people don't mind being given a process and being told what to do if you're respectful and kind about it. Okay. Who buys this land, right? Like, why would somebody want to buy a vacant lot out in the middle of nowhere? What are they going to do with it? Why? So, yeah, my bread and butter is pretty much that's 90% of my business is, you know, the stuff that's like 40 minutes outside of the city, 30 minutes outside of the city, you know, 30 minutes away from the McDonald's and the Walmarts, the people that are buying this stuff. Here's what they look like. They're hardworking Americans. They work paycheck to paycheck. They want to own something. They want to own a piece of America, the American dream, have a piece of land they can call their own. And we offer the financing on it. So we're making it easy and affordable for them. And, you know, they take their children out there. They, they go camping on it. They build a fire and roast marshmallows and put their tent out there or drive their RV or ride their quads. It's just a place to call their own. And someday maybe their, their wish list or their dream is to build a cabin on this property at one time or another. Now, a lot of them don't do that. You know, they, they don't do that, but it's just, it's one day. That's the plan. You know, we also invest in infill lots and buildable lots, and that's a different buyer. Those are builders and flippers and spec home builders and, and maybe John and Sally that one day want to build their own house. So it's, you've got all these, these things, but they all have a plan for the future. And that's, that's the buyer. It's, that's our avatar. They've got a plan for one day. Okay. Let's talk about how you find these people. So you, your main thing is you send direct mail, you send neutral letters or blind offers, mostly blind offers, right? Correct. Yeah. Blind offers. And, and the whole idea is you make offers at 20, 25 cents on the dollar, and then you turn around and you sell it for close to full market value on terms with owner financing, right? You got it. 
sounds pretty complicated. No, <laughs> if but, I'm doing uh, it, it's not complicated. <laughs> when you are wholesaling them, when you're selling them just for quick cash, what are you typically pricing them at? So when we do a quick cash, you know, we've got to make it uh, advantageous for our buyer to pay that quick cash. So for instance, if we get a piece of land under contract for 50,000 and it's worth a hundred, we'll probably be letting that property go for about 60 to 65,000. So technically they still have some, some built in meat, but when we do the seller financing the terms, we're pretty much selling it at retail that way. That's how we make our spread. What's your numbers in general in terms of how many offers do you make to offers accepted? So how many do you actually close on? So numbers pre-COVID and the areas that I actually dialed in. And and what I mean by dialed in is I've figured out where I need to be at. I generally try to be just under a half percent. So if I sent out 200 land offer letters, I would get one accepted, one accepted deal. Now, as far as response rate, I really don't track response rate because I didn't really care about that. I wanted the conversion. So they would either send it back uh, signed in the email United States Postal Service, fax, or they would call. And it's funny, not a lot of people would even call. They would just send that thing back signed. So that's kind of what my numbers look like post-COVID. Now, let's go to where we're at currently in the last 45 days. We've been probably, I mean, we would have to send about 400 offer letters to get one deal out you know, in the outskirts because, and I, and I think this is just my speculation, is because now this land's more in demand because people are, are looking to get out of the city. We get so many phone calls from people that are actually in the city, Denver, Colorado, Colorado Springs, you know, Washington, D.C. We get buyers from Washington, D.C. You know, I just got to, I just want to get out in the middle of nowhere right now, which is understandable. So there's a lot more demand on land lately. Do you feel like, because some people are always worried about competition, right? Like, oh, everybody's talking about land now, right? Everybody's doing this. Is there enough land to go around? You know what? I think of land as me sitting in a kayak in the ocean with a five-gallon bucket, and I keep pulling the water out and filling my kayak, and eventually I'm going to sink my boat because I'm never going to run out of water. That's the same thing with land. Like, I don't think we'll ever run out of land. There's over 3,100 counties in the United States. And you know what? Somebody told me you said this, Joe, and you you can correct me right here if I'm wrong because I've actually repeated it and given you credit for this. I heard that you yourself, Joe McCall, said this, that if you took everyone in the United States, or no, everyone in the entire world, and you gave them a three-by-three-foot three plot of land, they wouldn't fill up the state of Texas. Yeah. Is that true? That's what that? I heard, yeah. And if you did a one-foot-by-one-foot, one basically shoulder-to-shoulder, you could put them in um, New York City. So that's how much land we have available. We're not even talking about Canada. You know, we have a lot of land in the United States. I and mean, we take our camper across the country about twice a year. And I mean, there's just so much land out there. You just look at it and take it in. I did say that, and I and I hope I'm right. I'm sure if I'm if I'm wrong, somebody will will send me a message. But yeah, it's pretty crazy. There's tons and tons of land out there. So do you do you have to do this like in your own state? Where do you like to go and target for this vacant land flips? You know, I started out my own own backyard, and then I expanded into the state of Colorado, and then I expanded into Florida, and then I expanded into Arizona. I no longer step foot on any of the lands uh, because I liked it too much. I got emotional about it. I wanted to keep all of it. And my wife's like, we can't keep all of it. She's like, how many cabins do you want to build across the United States? (laughs) So no, it doesn't have to be in your own state. You know, if I'm sitting in like Washington, D.C., I'm probably not going to invest in land in Washington, D.C. unless I'm mailing buildable infill lots, stuff that you can pretty much build a house on very easily. And if I'm doing that, 
that's going to change my whole entire structure. I'm probably going to have to send 9,000 offer letters at 49 cents to 51 cents on the dollar to get one accepted. But that's okay. When you do get that lot under contract at 50 cents on the dollar, you're going to have plenty of cash buyers out there looking for it because they want to build a house or a skyscraper, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in Colorado. We've done, I meant, I failed to mention this at the beginning, me and my sons, we've done about 25, 30 deals and we flipped them in Oregon, Colorado, North Carolina, now Texas. And does it matter where you go? Like, do you, are you targeting, you mainly targeting now just Colorado because that's where a lot of people think that would be cool to go to, you know, would you, what, wh where do you determine where you're going to market? So I look at, I look at a couple things. One originally it was like, Hey, where would I want to own land? And then, you know, as you start doing this business, you kind of get celebrity status as, you know, Hey, this guy's a, in, in a niche, like he does land. So people will bring you deals somewhere. I never thought I would invest, which was Arizona. Um, we got brought a package for 117 lots in Arizona. So that one, the reason why I did that deal was because it came to me on a silver platter and I was getting it at literally 10 cents on the dollar. Now, <laughs> I look at one thing specifically. I want to see that there's volume. I want to see that there's actually sales happening and then there's demand. How do you know if there's volume and demand? It's by simply going to Zillow and looking at what's for sale on vacant lots and land in the last six months, what's available for sale, and then click on the other, the sold, and see what's sold. If that sold number is way lower than what's available for sale, that tells me there's not as much demand as there is supply. So that's really the thing. I just want to see that there's an equal amount of demand or more and that there's stuff selling because that also tells me how to comp the land. You know, what's it worth? Well, let's look at Zillow. Like we can figure out a lot of stuff on Zillow in the next five minutes. So, you know, a lot of people do this where there's people want to go on vacation, right? So like people would want to go to Arizona or Colorado or Florida for, on vacation, but would they want to go to Missouri, right? Would you ever flip that? Would you ever try to flip vacant land in a Midwestern state like that? Like Oklahoma, Missouri, uh, Iowa? If the land was at the right price, absolutely. If it was at if I could get it at a big enough, massive discount, because that's going to take in for my room for error and allow me the time to figure out, can I sell this land? And if I need to unload it, I won't lose money on it, hopefully. Um, so yes, and that's that's a good point. You said people buy land because they vacation out. So for instance, in Colorado, I buy a lot of land. That's so true. From people that came out here on vacation 25 years ago, the husband passed away. They plan to build a cabin on it one day and they never did anything with it. Now the wife's selling it at a massive discount because they went on vacation in Colorado 25 years ago. Yeah. Okay. And you don't find that, because I'm asking questions I know a lot of people are asking, right? Like you don't find in Colorado because it's so popular, it's not too competitive. Aren't there too many other land investors that are targeting your same properties? You know, there's a couple counties that I started out in that I no longer mail in because when I'm talking to a land seller and they said, man, what is going on? I've had six other offers in the last three months on this property. That's when I figure out, okay, I think I'm going to go to another area. Um, it's happened. It's happened now twice in two counties or it's happened to me in two counties now. Now, there's also another way to look at that. There's a lot of demand for that area. So we still get deals brought to us. I just know that I want to pay less than those other land investors are offering. Yeah. So. We did about four or five deals in Castilla County. That's the county I was talking is, about. Is that one of them? <laughs> yes. Because yes, we was. this was about two or three years ago, well, two years ago, I think. And we started noticing the same thing. The response rates started really going down. So let's talk about how you find these lists. Is that, are they easy to get? How do you get them? 
and they're so easy. So if I was just starting out and I was looking for a list and I didn't have a huge budget, I'm going to go to the county. I'm going to go to the county treasurer's office and I'm going to ask who is in charge of keeping track of all the properties that are not paying their taxes. And oh yeah, that's John. I'm going to get John on the phone and ask, John, can I get a list of everyone that's behind on their taxes and their property? So that's my first list. And I'm going to weed out all the mobile homes, single family homes, and I'm going to get only the land on there. And that's how I'm going to mail it. There's my list. The second way is you can go to CropStream, CropStream and pull a vacant land list in any county you want. So that it's those are two ways to get a list in the next couple hours. Now, PropStream is going to be a nicer, way more cleaned up list. The list you're going to get, the tax delinquent list you're going to get from the county could very well be literally a scanned in PDF of schedule numbers that you're going to have to do some scrubbing on, which is fine. There's people out there, virtual assistants that do that stuff all day long. There's two ways to get a list. PropStream Joe, by the way. You guys should check that out. I do get an affiliate link from that, but um, I get lists for houses, for land, all kinds of awesome lists from PropStream. I also use a new tool that I just found the other day for land um, from a company called Priced, P-R-Y-C-D, if you heard of them. You know what? One of my students actually just brought that up to me. So that's the second time I've heard that. So if I hear it one more time, I'm going to jump on that thing. (laughs) I've heard it's good stuff. It is pretty good. And they're just data scientists, these guys who started it. They're land investors themselves, but um, they get their data from DataTree, DataTree. But they have a real simple, easy way to get the data from DataTree. So, you know, let's say you start, you're doing a lot more mail. Are you uh, still targeting tax delinquents or are you just mailing to all absentee owners? I just pretty much mail to, if I'll start with absentee owners. And if I, if I want to stay with that county or that area, I'll eventually mail to the in-state owners as well. They're all absentee owners because they don't live on the lands. I'll start with the out-of-state owners and then kind of go into it. But you know, if I really like the county, we'll mail every piece of land in that county. One of the cool things too about Priced is you can say, give me all the owners outside of that county. I so love the, that. The, the mailing address has to be outside the county where the property is in. And that, we, that, that helps a little bit too. Yeah. What other criteria do you use? What size acreage do you like to mail to? So I, if it... You know, most of my my bread and butter is anywhere from one to 10 acres. Now, I know yours is a little bit different than that. Um, You know, that's my bread and butter. And I like to make sure they've owned that land a minimum of three years, three years minimum. Now, some guys go for 10, 20. It doesn't matter. I've, I've bought great deals from people that have only owned the land for three years and they lived in that county. So, yeah. you know, I'm more taking a, a bigger shotgun approach now. I mean, cause I'm kind of sniper approaching it with the actual blind offer with the actual offer price. Um, but I try and, you know, get a bigger list of mail because it just makes it easier on my, on my mail guy. And I, and I just do that for simplicity for our company. And you're sending blind offers. How do you determine the value of what you're mailing to? So we we leave it to the experts. The first experts are the realtors. Most realtors do not mess with vacant raw lands. So you might have to call one or two or figure out who the listing agent is for for these vacant raw lands and call that guy and ask, you know, what is land going for? per acre in this area, this town, you know, get very granular and, you know, get, get some information and then figure out a way to serve that realtor too, because hopefully you're going to have a nice long relationship together. Okay. Number two is Zillow. Uh, Get on Zillow. I just talked about, you know, check out in the last six months, what's sold, you know, within that, you know, let's compare apples to apples. So if you're looking at five acre parcels, you want to be looking at five acre parcels because a five acre parcel 
where a 10 acre parcel is going to go less per acre than a half acre parcel, you know, because it's smaller and it's going to go, you know, more per acre. And then number three, I love the land sites, the land sites, uh, landwatch.com, landflip.com, landcentury.com. In 30 minutes, you can become an expert on what land is worth in a county and then take all three of those and come up with the averages. That's it. We're dealing with averages here. You're never going to be dead on. It's not going to be a three-bedroom, two-bath with one car garage on the east side of the railroad tracks like because it's land. It's, it's, it's not so as easy to come. When you're sending blind offers, like why, why don't you do neutral letters instead? Because you, know, you may get somebody that calls with a property on the, you know, on the edge of a lake, right? on the shore, lake shore, and you get another property that's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You're sending the same offer to both. I generally do a neutral letter after we've done the blind offer letter because not everyone's going to off not everyone's going to call me back on my my blind offer, my LOL, my land offer letter because it might insult them or they might not even open that envelope. And then we'll send a postcard about 12 weeks later, roughly 3 months later. And that's a postcard is the actual neutral letter. And the reason why I prefer blind offers is because my acquisition manager makes hundreds and hundreds of dollars per hour. I can pay a virtual assistant, you know, three, four, five dollars an hour to come up with offers to save my acquisition manager 200 phone calls. So I'm just looking at efficiency and pay, pay wise. Um, so I don't want, I never want to overwhelm my acquisition manager with needless phone calls. I don't want her becoming the county land appraiser because some people just want to call and see what their land's worth. Okay. So you still have an acquisitions manager. What does she do? She buys all the land. She gets exactly. she gets it under contract and purchases it. Well, so the idea then is you send a blind offer at 20, 25 cents on the dollar. You get maybe one out of every 200 offers accepted, or is that one out of every 200 that you actually, after your due diligence, you buy it? Yeah, it's more it's more like after we do due diligence and buy it because right, so- sometimes it's like, oh, the taxes are way more than what this land's worth or, or you know, something weird or not all this, not all, there might be 10 owners on it. We don't even mess with that. So on average, how many offers do you get back that you actually close on? Uh, so, you know, out of three offers we get back, we'll close on one. Because all right, we're so the offer, in, in really, a, and I've gotten these letters and they're pretty cool. Now that I'm actually a landowner, I get offers and it's funny to see oh, yeah. what other people are sending. But um, I've seen guys just send like a one page letter and an offer below it. Other guys will send just a cover letter and then attach a contract to that. What do you prefer? I like the one page because I want to save paper. We're about to try the off the actual cover letter. I'm trying another company out and it's beautiful. Like it's full color. We send a business envelope. When they go to our website, we now pixel them, retarget them. You know, it's it's a whole entire system. So so I'm, I'm, you are sending them to your website? No, not what I'm currently doing right now. We're about to test this out. So what I'm currently doing right now is a one-page offer letter. They don't get my website because I hate putting my website yeah. on postcards or letters because it gets me beat up on the BBB. It gets me beat up on Google Google My Business because I interrupted their day. They checked that mail and that postcard pissed them off. So it's like I no longer put my website on. The other reason is if they are interested in selling their land, you're giving them too many options. You're giving them a phone That's number. True. You're giving them a fax. You're giving them an email and a website. Uh, you just want them to, to call or send that offer back, right? Exactly. I prefer them just not to even call me. <laughs> just just sign it and send it back. I do give them a couple options. I give them the option to email it, fax it, or send it back in the mail. And the, the top two things are fax and they mail it back. 
it's it's really weird. Have you ever thought about trying or have you tried sending blind offers to houses? I've never personally done it. I've got a really good friend. Uh, he's an army officer. He sent out 300 and bought a house subject to existing financing. He had to come up with $3,000 out of his pocket and he bought the house. It was in Texas. Did he, was his blind offer for cash? Yes. I, I, well, actually, I, I take that back. I don't know exactly how he structured it, but he, he called me and said, hey, I used your LOL to buy a house. <laughs> I don't know how he offered it. And I said, what house did you buy? He goes, I, I got a subject to existing financing. And it was like his first first one of those he's ever done. I was just talking to a land investor the other day. He will send out blind offers to smaller commercial properties. I love and, it. And um, Yeah, he, does, he, he says he's bought five of them. Doing it wow. Well. I'm, in, I'm in my building right here. It's an old pawn shop, actually. So it made me think of the pawn shop. Uh, land paid for it. We we bought it for 50 cents on the dollar and turned out to be an enterprise zone. So you're talking about tax savings. You know, it really helps me on, on my taxes, you know, having a commercial building and enterprise zone. What's the uh, mail company that you use? Do you just use click to mail for your 3D mail? I, used to, I actually use a couple. <laughs> I use 3D mail. Um, 3D mail. 3D mail. Yep. Yeah. Landofferletters.com. You, you can check them out on 3D mail. And then I'm trying out Landspeed. Well, we've been using Landspeed about six months now with uh, Howard Zonder owns that. I had them on my podcast uh, okay. a few months ago. Uh, Howard's a good guy. And then I'm about to uh, test out the one I was just telling you about. It's called Supercharged Offers. Supercharged Offers? Supercharged Offers. What so is we're that? about to test that out. What is that? So that's the one that they send out the beautiful cover letter, the brochure, the business return envelope. They retarget. Uh, and, and what's cool is they come up with the offer letters for me. Like they come up with the evaluation. So they it's literally everything on the acquisition side, except for we still have to lock it up. Are they targeting land investors? Land. Yeah. Land. Or I'm sorry, land, land sellers. Right. So right. yeah, they work with land investors. Yes. I'll have to check them out. I'll let you know how it goes. We, uh, I have to fill out their hour and a half long questionnaire. So I've been a little hesitant on that. Like, how do I outsource that? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Have you ever used Click2Mail to send those one-page offers? No. We used Click2Mail one time. Uh, it's when I purchased your uh, system. And I had a uh, Filipino VA do it. And she liked it. She liked Click2Mail. Uh, it worked pretty well for us. It's good for sending smaller quantities, right? So you don't have to send a five hundred dollar or five hundred order or a thousand to a mail company. They can do twenty, thirty at a time, one at a time. I love it. And save yeah. quite a bit of money. You mentioned land speed. Do you use what's your main CRM? So my CRM is Pipe Drive. I love Pipe Drive. Um, or my team loves it. So I love it. My team loves it. But uh, Pipe Drive is we have our houses, our house and our land business integrated with it. Everything's tracked by a phone number, an email, a website, all that. And it it tells us where everything comes from, what lead source, all that. Nice. Yeah, Pipe Drive is pretty cool. Is that what you set your students up with as well? Yeah. Yeah, so I recommend uh, using Pipe Drive because it could be very simple as well. And then we have some developers, uh, Ben and Amber, they they do it all for us. It's like, for instance, we want to start a new mailer today. We say, hey, here's what the mailer is going to be. They do it all for us. And it's done the next morning. Okay, let's talk. I want to talk to you to more about these, um, how you actually close on these properties and the due diligence that you do. Yeah. So you send out some marketing, you get some people that say, yeah, I'll sell it. What's involved with the due diligence? So I actually just came up with a 15 item checklist, due diligence list of everything that we check. Um, we have a guy that does it for us, but some of these things like probably about 10 or 11 of these things on this list is what tripped us up in the beginning. One is it buildable? 
You know, is the land buildable? Is there enough square foot? Are we allowed to build on this parcel of land? Number two, can you access this land? Or do you have to cross state land or a neighbor's property to get to it? How do you access this? Is it a dirt road, paved road, like side of a mountain? Is there a septic system allowed? Or do you have to hook into this, the city sewer system? Are there water taps available in Colorado? Uh, water is pure gold out here. Are there water taps available or is there, or is there city water or community water you can tap in? So, so those are some of the things we check on due diligence. What are the deal killers for you then? You know what? I would say deal killer is if it's an environmental issue. We bought a junkyard one time, still was able to sell it. Uh, we could have easily solved that. We would have known what we were buying if we just got on Google Earth and checked it out. So that's another one. Are you buying a junkyard type thing? So what about access? If it doesn't have legal access, do you pass on that? No, I actually, that first one I was telling you about, it's actually, this is my second parcel of land I purchased for $500 and sold it for five grand. Uh, it did not have legal access. So that's why I was so discounted. That's why I was able to get it at a discount and sell it at a discount. Someone had to get an attorney to get legal access for that. And we just disclosed that, you know, hey, there's currently no legal access. You've got to cross this land. And you know, some people don't care. They've got time, money on their hands, and they're willing to pay an attorney to get them access. Would you sell that with owner financing or cash? I sold, well, it's probably better off selling it with cash. You just get your money and go. But so I did owner finance that one. We're, we're finding a lot of lots that have access problems. And we're trying to figure out what do we do? Do we pass on it? And, and I've been thinking, well, let's lower our offer. Let's yes. come back with a lower offer and let's maybe do an option instead of a sale contract, right? Maybe, or extend our closing date for more due diligence. What would you say? Yeah, lower that offer. Like we literally get that land for next to nothing. This one that didn't have access was five acres that I paid $500 for. If he gets the access to this land, that land is immediately worth a hundred grand. Wow. So I would pay literally next to nothing. And then one thing we do with our buyers, we give them a 30 day, we give them a 30 day money back. Like, Hey, you're not happy with land. We'll give you your money back. You know, you got 30 days to figure it out because, you know, not a lot of people take us up on that, but we want to, we want happy, happy customers. Um, they'll buy something else from us. The, the, the couple people that have asked for their money back, you bet they still call. Like they're, they're our customers for life because they couldn't believe we gave them their money back. Okay. When do you self-close and when do you use a title company? I think a rule of thumb for a lot of land investors is if you're paying under five grand self-close, because there's really not a lot. I don't want to pay a title company a thousand bucks to, to do the transaction. Now, if it's over five, we'll, we'll generally have a title company do it. But if it's under 5,000, my purchase price is under 5,000. I'll have my title guy check everything out, do the due diligence. He'll do the entire due diligence, but we won't buy title insurance and we'll send a mobile notary. The mobile notary will close it and then get us all the documents. All right. And then when you sell them on terms and you sell it to a cash buyer, do you use a title company then as well? So if I sell it on terms... Or to a cash buyer, how do you do them differently? Cash buyer, if I'm buying a, a, a vacant, you know, infill buildable lot, I always use a title company because it's so much easier. They take care of everything. Now, if we're selling it on terms, we don't use a title company unless the buyer requests it and or it's a bigger parcel of land, way more expensive. Like we just did some that we we did a subdivide on. So we sold all three of those through a title company, but they came up with $40,000 down. I did not do a contract for deed or a land contract with those. I just became the bank. So I held the, I held the deed of trust and the promissory note. They physically own the land. I'm just a bank. And if they don't pay, we, we have to foreclose on it. 
Okay. Let's talk about how you structure your terms deals. All right. Yeah. Uh, you buy them at 25 cents on the dollar. You sell them 95, 100 cents on the dollar with terms. Uh, can you walk through a, a typical example deal of how you structure your terms? Yeah. Generally, I try and get back a down payment that's, you know, this is in a perfect world. I, and I had to start out like this because I needed my money back out of the transactions. I didn't have a lot of money to leave in land. So generally, we try and get back anywhere of 100% prefer 100% of the purchase price. So if I bought that land for $5,000, I'm going to try and finance it for a $5,000 down payment and you know, $3.99 a month or something. It doesn't always work that way, especially when we're trying to sell land fast. Um, so generally, I get, a, I get a down payment that's at least two times the monthly payment. So if the monthly payment's $500, I want no less than $1,000 down because I found that if I get a bigger chunk of money, they're not going to default on me in like six months because we don't want that happening because then, then it's just... We got to resell it again, take the land back. So generally, they put anywhere from five hundred to three thousand dollars down. Paying three ninety nine a month is our average. Well, our average on smaller deals. So generally, three ninety nine a month for sixty months. That's our our pretty much bed, bread and butter. We have been messing around with thirty year mortgages on the bigger deals because I like what the banks do. They know that people move every five to seven years and they front in, they front load that interest. So I'm hoping that they have that mortgage for five to seven years and eventually they're going to build on this property and that bank's going to pay me off because they don't want a junior lien holder. Sure, sure. All right. So then uh, how many deals do you have on notes right now? So we're just shy of 90. 90, 90 notes. notes. And what do they pay you on average? So I just told you the smaller deals are average of three ninety nine. We did a search about six months ago and kind of came up with everything. It came out to four ninety seven. That was before we sold those bigger parcels. So I have a feeling, and I haven't run these numbers, so this is not one hundred percent accurate. That we're somewhere around five ninety three a month average for all ninety of those notes. Let's, I'm calculating ninety approximately five hundred a month. You're about forty five grand a month right now on yeah. notes. Yep, we averaged that for 2020, what was around 40, 43,000 a month. And what's your default rate? So out of every every 15 notes we do, we have one default. So what is that? A little less than what, 9%, 8%, something like yeah, that. One I'm not a math guy. You could tell. Six and a half percent. There you go. And we're finding ways to actually lower that default rate because I hate defaults because someone that's paycheck to paycheck pays for a piece of land for two years, I want them to close on this land because when we create a landowner, they're going to tell their friends. Like birds of a feather flock together. They've got friends that are going to want to buy land. So one way we've we've uh, decreased defaults was bigger down payment. Another way is educating them. Like, hey, uh, you know, here's everything that you can do with the land, that 30-day money back. And then there's one final thing that we were doing. Oh, it's, it's figuring out what is an affordable monthly payment. So, so you, re, wanna, you restructure the loan? We have restructured loans, yes. But in the beginning, we make sure it's affordable for them. You know, what they say they can afford comfortably each month so they don't default. Because that, that sucks. Yeah. All right. So then what interest rates do you charge typically? <laughs> so for a long time, we did 0%. Um, I had a note buyer come to me the other day and say, you need to be around 9%. So we're bumping it up. We're trying five and a half now. We ch- We've got some out there for nine. Um, we're kind of all over the place because we make our money spread. We're already making money. When that interest rate starts creeping up there, that, that increases that monthly payment. And then it takes away from our buyer having an affordable payment. You know, So I'm back and forth on interest rates. A lot of guys will probably disagree with me. I charge 0%. Let's talk about 
I'm writing down some questions here. I'm thinking that people are going to be asking, like, you, you buy these lots. How do you get the capital for them? Like, how do you do you run out of money? Because <laughs> all the time, <laughs> you run out of them. So where, where do you get the money from? So when I run out of money, what we'll do is we'll flip, we'll flip a piece of land or we'll wholesale a piece of land and build up reserves again. I also have been approached by people that want to partner. You know, let's partner on the deal for a percentage of profit. I've done that, or I do that. And then there's also people out there that have lived in the same home for the last 10 years. They're 55 and older. Their house is paid for, and they don't like the stock market. And they'll lend capital at 5 6 7%. How do you find these people? They're everywhere. Get on ListSource. Pull a list. Go to meetups and real, real estate investor associations. There's so much money out there. When people see you triple your money, they want to get in. They want to get in on it. You want to hear something crazy? I was in ListSource the other day, and I, I haven't tried this in PropStream yet, but I, I imagine you could. And I pulled a list of a couple hundred private investors who had lent money on land in the two or three counties surrounding where I'm at right now. So go. just like, it, it, and have lent the money in the last couple of years. And this is crazy. This is private investors who have lent money on vacant land in the last several years in these counties that I'm at. I thought, I, I didn't know you could even get that list. Number one, private investors or lenders. What do, do you ever, or have you ever sent direct mail to private in, uh, lenders to try to raise money before? Yes. And how do you do that? Well, I have a postcard that a, a hard money lender lends me. <laughs> sure. now you're smiling when you say this. <laughs> you sound like you're a little embarrassed or, try, you know. No, basically it's a postcard. You could put a picture of what that your investment category is. So it's like, hey, tired of having your money in the rocky roller coaster stock market? Invest your hard-earned dollars into something like this. And you can change the picture. You can put land, you can put mobile homes, you can put houses. And it's simply, you get a phone call, you have coffee with these people. And there's you got to be very careful on the lending laws and the regulations. Like you either got to have the property in mind or already own it. So be very careful with that. Yeah. But you have a conversation with these people and you, you start getting to know them. And there's going to be deals that come across. You know, hey, this guy's got 50,000. Hey, this guy's got 100. And you start making a spreadsheet of these people. And it's amazing how the deals just start to come. Yeah. Like, okay, I can do that one with Larry. He wants 9%. They don't even care about points, like origination fees. Everyone's like, oh, our money lenders, they charge all these points. Well, we're doing a refinance on a lake house. I'm getting like three and a half origination point, origination fees. So I think my hard money lender is cheaper sometimes. There's so much money out there. Yeah, there is. All right. So your your ROI then on these terms on these terms deals, right? Do you know the numbers on like your your average cash on cash return or your return on investment, your cap rates? However, how do you measure that? I'm not going down that road, Joe, because that is not my specialty. <laughs> I know a couple things. I know that if we buy a piece of land, if I spend a dollar, I'm gonna make at least three dollars back. We got that from Warren Buffett. Like I'm no genius here. I can follow systems and plans. Uh, I like I'm not even going to try to explain cash on cash because I don't understand it. Like I, I, That's why I do land. I'm really simple. I also know on the sales side of land, the marketing. For every dollar I spend on marketing, signs, my Craigslist guy, my Facebook retargeting. I know for every dollar we spend, we make 4000 back. You heard me right. $4,000 back. So if I spend a dollar on marketing, I'm going to get 4000 worth of contracts. Now, I, I might not get that 4000 today. It'll be over the next 5, 10, 30 years. So I think it's good. I, I can tell you've been hanging out with Tom Kroll. 
<laughs> yes. Okay. I admit it. I went to the Tom Kroll University. So <laughs> I can yeah. tell you've been hanging out with Tom Kroll, which is awesome. <laughs> good friend of mine. I've had him on the podcast three or four times. I need to get him on again. He uh, he's a lively. Uh, he doesn't even need coffee. I don't think. No. All right. I'm I'm going through my list of questions here, and I, and I appreciate your time. You've been on here uh, past our 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 deadline. I appreciate it, Brent. People are wondering about like virtual. Can you do this virtual? How do you do it virtual? You have to go see the properties. The answer is no. But how do you how do you check to make sure the property is not you know a swamp? Or do you send somebody there? Can you send people there to take pictures and things like that? Absolutely. I had to do this virtually. I was an army officer. I couldn't, I was always training, always gone. My eight and a half years in the military, I only slept in my bed four of those years. So I had to set it up virtually. I had people, you know, other boots on the ground. I would send my photographer uh, out to take the drone and the video and the photos. And, you know, I've, I've talked to other land investors. They say, why do you take pictures? Like just do the, the Google street view. Like, no, I want someone in Wisconsin to feel like they're standing on the land in Colorado. So guess who, who puts my signs out? My photographer, he's going to tell me if it's, if it's, uh, you know, swamp land or whatever. We did actually do an environmental study on a subdivide land to make sure it wasn't swamp land. There's people like that. I think it costs $1,500. I think they call it the minimus is what they called it. So there's so many people out there that you could send and you obviously are not going to send people like that until you know, you have a solid deal. Like, okay, this is a no brainer. Let's send them, let's pay for title work. Let's do this and that. So there's a whole team of people we have just as far as due diligence, photography, drone photos. It's a little team. That's really it. It's a mini army. All right. So then do you ever use a realtor? Yes. Yeah. The last, the subdivide we just did, we used a realtor and he was amazing. I mean, he showed the property, like he made, he took care of all the paperwork, the transaction. And ultimately, you know, why not use a realtor? They get you, you want to be everywhere, omnipresent. You want that thing on the MLS, you want it on Zillow. So yeah, I say the more eyeballs we can get and real, here's the thing about realtors. They're not going to mess with your $5,000 lot or your $15,000 $15,000 lot. You, it has to be a lot where it's, they're actually going to make some money when they sell it. So generally we don't mess with the realtor unless it's over like 60 or 70,000. And sometimes they'll just do a, like a, a flat fee for okay. that. Yeah. So people are asking some good questions in here. I want to post some questions for you, Brent, here in just a minute. Somebody wants to get to the, you know, $10,000 a month mark is, is a big number that a lot of people want. And I know you coach people. We'll, we'll give you everybody a link that people can get a hold of you in just a minute here. But what if somebody wants to get to that $10,000 a month cash flow using vacant land? Yeah. Is it realistic? And how long would it take? Kind of what do they need to do? How do you coach people through that process to get there? So I had to get to 6500 a month to get out of the army. So that's absolutely 10000 is realistic. Because I remember that when we hit it, it like I was like, okay, I'm there. I've arrived type thing. And then we just push a little further. Uh, so you want to have that cap, that, that goal, that number. And when you get there, celebrate it and be happy about it and then reassess. So yes, it's absolutely possible. Uh, it took us right at nine months to get to uh, 60, 6,500 a month. At the end of the day, I probably could have done it faster if I would have had better systems and knew what I was doing. I made a lot of mistakes and it was just having a team. So I, I say I probably could have gotten there twice as fast if I would have had a team and, you know, not made several mistakes. So absolutely 10,000 months realistic, you know, generally, you know, I would say you can hit that in a year's time. In a year's time doing what? What would you say you have to do to do that? You know what? Getting, get, having people help you scrub those lists that I was talking about, the tax delinquent list, hiring someone to get that mail out. It could be the mail house. 
constantly sending it, you know, taking the phone calls, actually returning all the phone calls that you get. Not don't be like me and only return 20 of them. And then, you know, really at the end of the day, we're building two machines, you know, a buying machine of land and then a selling machine. So let's talk about the sales side. You know, you got to get your, your, uh, your signs out there. You got to get your postings on Craigslist and Facebook and uh, Instagram, TikTok. You know, there's guys out there selling land on TikTok now, which is amazing. But where can we find someone to do all that? Maybe a virtual assistant in the Philippines. So that's your selling machine, you know, bringing on a team. And I was fine not taking any profit for the first five years of my land business. Totally fine with that. We were very profitable at a year and a half. So, so you're just reinvesting. I reinvested. Yeah. Absolutely. By the way, we got Rick here who says, hey, Joe, you're asking some really good questions. I appreciate that. Appreciate it. I don't that. think anybody's asked me as many questions as you've asked me, Joe. <laughs> so <laughs> there should be an, a, a, like an award for that. <laughs> Here's a question. I can't read it here. New to the whole real estate thing, trying to soak up as much info as possible. Land is beyond me at this point, but I'm glad you guys are having this discussion. Somebody else is saying here, funny, I just heard you for the first time in the clubhouse room. You're one of those guys. Yeah, I'm a clubhouse guy now. You know, it's that was that was interesting. Clubhouse is a little learning curve. Like, how do we bring on the speakers and this and that? <laughs> Jonathan, I know Jonathan. Uh, Brent's on the circuit as of late. He's in Columbia, Missouri. Can you do deals from Columbia, Missouri? Yes, totally, 100%. Angelica is asking a question here. How do I get a contract for a house for rent in Texas? You know what I did when I was looking for um, a contract for one of my rental properties when I first got started? I called a local property management company and I pretended to be interested in one of their houses. And I asked them, can I just review your lease? And they sent it to me in an email. And the other thing I've used property managers for, um, I wanted to do an eviction. I I had to do an eviction on one of my properties. So I called a property management company and I said, hey, you know, uh, I told him I was honest with him what I'm doing. And I said, I'm looking for a good eviction attorney. Do you have somebody here that, you you know, you use? Who do you use for your evictions? They gave me a great guy and I've used him and recommended him to a lot of people. Uh, Property managers are great resources. We got somebody here from Smyrna, Smyrna. Kim, how you doing, Kim? From Tennessee, I love it. Do you ever flip van- land in uh, Tennessee? I personally have not. Tennessee's a great market. I know guys that are doing real well there. Yeah, you got the, the Smokies, right? Yeah, I mean, I could, I, could, I would think that land be, would be in great demand. It's beautiful yeah. out there. It is. Somebody, uh, I don't know if you know him, um, a, a friend of mine. A lot of you guys know him from the Flip Flip Empire show, Alex Pardo uh, on Instagram. There, he's in Florida. He's one of those weirdos in Florida that just loves new, the uh, loves warm weather and thinks that we're idiots for being here in the Midwest where it's cold. But Alex, I love you, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he came out to, uh, for vacation, he went to uh, Tennessee, the Smoky Mountains, uh, which is crazy, from Florida. But we got some other questions here. Oh yeah, Cody's in the house. What's up, Cody? Hey, hey Cody. I just saw his text come through. That's so funny. I was thinking about him this morning. And here he is. I'm surprised you've not gotten a Bam Bam ring bell from uh, Tom Kroll. He must be, uh, his wife must have taken the phone away from him. Yeah, he's probably in in timeout. He probably woke one of the kids up, you know, from a nap (laughs) with that bell too many times. (laughs) Cody, thank you for the kind words, man. You both rock. So it's interesting about land. You know, I'm, I'm not getting a lot of questions about land here. I think it's one of my favorite strategies on the, in the real estate world, you know, and I love houses. I love lease options. I do a lot of that, but I really also love land. And it's just a great way because I, maybe it's because I'm more of the, the techie engineer side of me. It's more transactional in nature, less relational. 
Would you agree with that? Maybe I would agree 100%. And I am by far not techie or engineer type. Okay. However, I do like the fact that it's not, it's not emotional. It's not, they never laid their head on, like they didn't grow up on that land or in that house. Uh, You know, there's a lot of emotional things that go on when someone sells a house, but land, you know, they might've camped there one time. Or, you know, the, the husband bought it on some trade where he was trading tax work for land, you know, things like that. It's yeah. just always something different. All right, Brent, how can people reach you? Yeah, head over to thelandsharks.com, thelandsharks.com. Thelandsharks.com. Oh, I spelled it wrong. That's embarrassing. Yeah, S-H-A-R-K-S. Uh, it's plural. And, or just hit me up on Instagram uh, at Brent L. Bowers. That's it. Thelandsharks.com. You got a coaching program. It's part of the Wholesaling Inc. program. And guys, listen, I've known Tom and Cody and the guys at uh, Wholesaling Inc. for years now. I remember getting a phone call from Todd Toback. Well, this must have been five, seven years ago, where he said, hey, what do you, do you have any advice for coaching your brother on how to get started in real estate? <laughs> And I said, no, man, I, I don't, you know, good luck to you. And I was like nervous for him because he was publishing these episodes called Do or Die, I think. Do or Die, coaching his brother, Tom Kroll, into wholesaling, doing deals. And I did not think it would work. I was nervous for him. I was skeptical. Um, but then look what Tom has, look what Tom has done and did very, very well. Started doing a ton of deals, created a, one of the, if not the best coaching program for wholesalers over at Wholesaling Inc. Brent, you started working with them just recently and coaching people on the land side of things, which is awesome. And I've only heard good things about you guys. I say all that to say you're in good hands with Brent. Um, I love Tom. I love his team and what he's got going on there. These are real guys that are doing real deals, a lot of them. And I've seen a lot of people in the coaching industry. We do coaching ourselves, right? So I'm just spreading the love around. But like, there's a lot of people in the coaching industry that just do marginal. They just do okay. You know, they have some successful students, but there's very few the guy, with guys like Brent and Todd, and you've got a couple other coaches now as well doing some other things. But I've, there's very few businesses, coaching businesses, where I've seen the number of success, the, the volume of success that you guys have done, which kudos to you. That's awesome, Brent. That means a lot, Joe. Really appreciate that. It's good to be a part of that wholesaling community and no guys like yourself as well. Yeah. Sweet. So what are the, when they go to land sharks, the land sharks.com, uh, what are they going to see there? Yeah. And that's kind of like what I send guys to, to check out more information. If you want to jump on a call, you know, fill out the form. We'll see what your uh, land investing goals are. If, if we think we'd be a, you'd be a good fit, if we can help you, that's really it. So nice. All right. Guys, I don't get anything from referring these guys. You know, my podcast, I, I believe in not competition, but collaboration. And I want to give, I want to get credit for that. I, Tom says he made it up, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think he did. But Brent, thank you so much. Your Instagram, what is it? Again? It's there on your name. What What is it again? At Brent L. Bowers. At Brent L. Bowers. Are you, you pretty it. active on Instagram? Yeah, absolutely. I get on, you know, once a day, whether I need it or not. Oh boy. You're one of those guys. <laughs> and then uh, you're on clubhouse much. Yeah. Every Tuesday at 2 PM mountain standard time. Yeah. Yeah. 2 PM mountain standard, 4 PM Eastern standard time every Tuesday on the real estate talk club. Okay. Uh, Cody, I think he's teeing us up here. How much yeah. do you invest in marketing each month to get started with land? So I got two answers for that. 
there's people out there with with budgets. I'm going to talk about those guys first. You know, if you're just getting started, you might have the budget of a what we call a postage stamp. You know, my father came up with this. He sent out roughly a hundred letters a month, and he he called it his postage stamp letters. And he would do deals on the price of a postage stamp. So a hundred letters a month. If you print them from your computer, you're spending fifty dollars a month on mail or on postage. Now. I don't like to do my own letters. That sounds like a lot of work. I want to outsource that, set it, and forget it. So on average, we spend anywhere from twelve to fifteen hundred a month to keep that pump going, to keep that trickle of water going every single day. Sometimes we have to slow that trickle down, and as our land deals coming in, sometimes we have to speed it up. So twelve to fifteen hundred a month if you want to set it and forget it, or you know fifty dollars a month if you want to send out your own letters. Let me let me say this too with houses we've found in our experience in my students experience we spend about $1500 in marketing to do one deal which is really good really really good right 1500 bucks a month I'm $1500 in marketing per deal now it's different if you're doing cold calling obviously it's going to be a little cheaper it depends on your volume depends on how much follow up you're doing how many offers that you're making but I know guys in certain markets where they're spending 3 4 5000 in marketing to do one deal but they're doing well. They're making twenty, thirty thousand dollars in each deal, right? In land, we're spending about five hundred dollars to do one deal. To do one deal. That's really so good. you're talking about a third of the marketing cost. Now it's all it's work. You know, you still have to do the work. You got to learn the stuff. So yeah, good question, Cody. <laughs> Love you, <laughs> <Right>. Cody. <laughs> Just one more time here, the land sharks plural.com. Thank you, Brent, for being on the show. I appreciate you and hope you're doing well. Look forward to uh, connecting with you again and talking sometime soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the Real Estate Investing Mastery Show, Joe. You've been doing a lot of podcasts. How do we rank here on this show? Number one, of course. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) All right. I'll send you the check in the mail. Sounds good. Have a great day. (laughs) We'll see everybody. Go to thelandsharks.com. Also, don't forget if you want my book, reisecrets.com. It's free. Go to reisecrets.com. If you like this show, uh, give us a thumbs up. Uh, Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. 